All right, I'm here with Libby Landry. Libby is, what are you, like a manager these days? Yeah, um, manager. Oh. And Not of your phone. Of <laughs> <laughs> manager and one of the head coaches at, um, at Invictus in San Diego. So big deal. I mean, Invictus has been around for a long time. They've been the champion at the CrossFit Games. You know, CJ Martin started the boxes. How many boxes are there these days? We have right now two locations in San Diego and then two in Boston. Okay, cool. And then the other interesting fact about Libby's, you're also part of the CrossFit seminar staff, which is how we know each other. Yes. Um, yeah, so I've been on seminar staff for about two years now. Um, obviously, gotten to work with Jason and it's always a good time. <laughs> <laughs> you're laughing because you're thinking of that one time with Jeremy, aren't you? Yes, Jeremy, if you're listening, <laughs> you have anything for the muscle up. <laughs> if you do have anything you want to, you know, funny story, let, we'll, we'll tell the quick story, but I, I had been on seminar staff for quite some time. Jeremy was relatively new. I mean, it was like his first <laughs> seminar he's working. And, um, you know, there's a typical kind of sentiment at seminar staff of like, hey, don't talk if you have, you know, if it's not your piece, if somebody else is doing something. So I'm teaching the muscle up. I don't even remember what he said, but at one point he kind of just puts his hand up and chimes in. <laughs> and we, this was over two years ago when we've not let him forget about it. No, every time I see, every time I see Jeremy and especially if he's not the one giving the muscle up, I'm like, um, Jeremy, do you have anything to add to this? <laughs> it's one of those inside jokes that's very funny to about three people. Totally. Actually, probably really funny to two people. Yes. Not so much to Jeremy. <laughs> He's always a good sport. <laughs> but anyway, you would, you know, I would love to have you on for any reason, but you had reached out specifically to talk about women in the industry. And it came as a really cool time for me because I just worked with Nicole Christensen yesterday of CrossFit Rooch. She roots. She was recently featured on um, Out of the Box podcast, I think it's called, with Pat Cummings. I was on it recently as well. And they talked a little bit about this, but I would love to hear your perspective. And I, I would love to just kind of open this dialogue about it because I do think it's something that needs to be addressed one way or the other. How we address it, I don't know. But when you sent me that email, what was your, what was the reason behind it? What were you hoping to talk about? Yeah, you know, <clears throat> it's funny. It's like something that I feel um, needs to be talked about. And yet, kind of as you alluded to, I don't necessarily know exactly what that means. But what I've found over the years is working seminars and, you know, we do like the day one social hour at the end or, or, or women in particular stop me as we're leaving at the end on Sundays and they're like, what's it like being a female trainer? Have you had any issues with like coaching men or, you know, just, I don't know. There's, I think that the, by and large in, in the past, like the fitness industry has been a male dominated field. Um, and I think there's a lot of space for women and there, that we, there's, um, there's a place for, for like a female perspective in this industry that I think other women are, seeing and recognizing and then trying to figure out, okay, like what's been your experience? Um, and what have you done like over the years to, um, 
yeah, just be a female in a male dominated world. I feel like it's kind of common. I think it spills over into a lot of other industries or it's common in a lot of other industries as well. Yeah. And I think, you know, I've obviously gotten that question as well, or at least hear it. And when I worked with Chuck Carswell, often we would sit down Sunday morning and he would do what I would call Chuck church. And that's where he just kind of sits at the front of the room, uh, allows the participants to ask questions. And almost every seminar, a participant would ask that question. And if they didn't, Chuck would ask it to one of the female coaches, typically Jenny Orr or maybe Lindsay Andrew, if she's there. But, you know, so it's it's certainly something to consider. Now, I guess my perspective is it's evolving and changing. Like I Mm -hmm. totally understand the challenge. And recently, Fern and I had on Nicole Watley um, on the episodes called Coaching Shitty Athletes. Yeah. She talked about it. You know, she's mentions how people don't necessarily listen to her. And, you know, we really tried to get down to the nitty gritty of it. Is it because she's a female? Is it just because they're assholes, right? The athletes? Right. Or is it like, hey, and, or you can be a female and also be an asshole, right? I know plenty mm-hmm. of asshole females. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gender doesn't discriminate in being an asshole. Sure. But when I, when I mentioned Nicole Christensen earlier, she brought up an interesting point. And tell me what you think about this. We have to get rid of this notion of you're a female coach and, and have this idea that you're just a coach. Sure. What do you, what do you think about that? And I mean, it sounds great in theory, <laughs> but that requires um, everybody else to also be kind of um, on that same page and have that same thought process. And, you know, it's interesting because I've worked seminars in other countries as well. And um, had, had different experiences, um, depending on where I'm at. And so I, I'm thinking of a particular place where, I mean, the whole weekend, like the, the, the translators of this seminar specifically said, Hey, coaching females as coaches, isn't respected here in this culture yet. Um, and it was evident in that there were only like two female participants and everybody else were, everyone else was male. And I just had a couple of, of um, times in the seminar, in the session where I could say something, nothing would happen. And then the other male trainer could say the exact same thing and they'd get a response from the athlete. And so it just kind of started to like get me thinking like, is it cultural? Is it, you know, I, I don't know. I, if, you know, it's like, I'm trying to think about the same thing that, that you said Nicole mentioned is like, is it just, I'm an asshole? <laughs> is it, uh, what is it? What is the root? And I don't necessarily know. <clears throat> so do you have any examples of what, where this impacted you as a coach? Yeah. Well, so that seminar in particular, um, but then, you know, I, I do think you're right. There is a change happening. And I started coaching eight years ago. And I think that the, what I remember is, And what I've been my experience over the past eight years is if I'm running a tight ship in a class and I am managing time and I'm getting people going and there's, there's no room for bullshit, then I'm being, I'm being a bitch that day or I'm in a bad mood. And from my experience, this, the, a male coach could be doing the same thing. And it's like, oh, they're on top of it. Like, yeah, they're just, they're doing a good job of running the class. And so you yeah, I, you know, I, I agree with you. I mean, not that you're being a bitch, but I, 
as you say that, I understand the frustration. And like you said, though, that's, that's not just a CrossFit thing. No, it's not. It's, you know, or, or a coaching thing, I should say. So, okay. How do we that's fix so, the problem? That's so true. It is not, it is not. And that's what I was saying at the beginning is like, I don't feel like this is just a fitness industry problem, but it, um, yeah, I think, it, I think it extends to many other, um, many other industries in the U.S. So, but going back to what I said, and, and, and the reason I started thinking this way is recently I watched an episode of the Joe Rogan podcast with, uh, I'm going to look up his name, but basically he was a black musician and he really made effort to get people out of the Ku Klux Klan. I don't even know mm. if I said that right. The KKK. Yeah. Right? And he would be successful. He was getting people out. He was changing this notion of racism and what it meant to them and, and really having a positive impact on people. And this guy said, in order for you know, African-Americans, black people to, to change where they stand in this world, in, in the United States, they had to get rid of Black History Month. Mm. Right? And his idea was, it's not black history, it's history. Sure. And we're a part of it, right? So by this idea of like, hey, every February comes along, which also happens to be the shortest month of the year. And we learn about, you know, all, all black people that impacted history, Martin Luther King, George Washington Carver, you know, et cetera. He's like, until we get rid of that and just become a part of American history, that's where the problem is. So I'm kind mm -hmm. of, that, that's where that idea of like, when do we just say, hey, Libby's a coach. She's not a female coach. Yeah, she happens to be female. You know, but you wouldn't, you don't say about Jay, hey, he's a male coach. Sure. <laughs> I totally agree with you. Um, but then I guess, I, you, know, and, you know, I don't think there is an answer right now that we're, we're not going to come up with a solution, but let's at right. least as a strong coach it, yourself, who happens to be female, you know, you run a very successful box with very successful athletes. Let's talk about some of the things you do well then. Yeah. You know, that's, um, I feel like the, it, it, in, to run a successful class, there, there has to be certain structure, right, in the class and a certain level of assertiveness that comes with that. Um, and especially for me when I'm in coaching in the evenings and there might be 25 people in the session and there's another, our Olympic lifting class is happening at the same time with another 25 people and we're sharing equipment and space. You have to be very on top of it. And, um, you know, I love to have fun, but there are times where I'm like, Hey, we can't keep fucking around. <laughs> like we have to move. We, I need you to like get it together. Um, so how do you do that without having the men or women in your, Hey, women hate on women too, right? Like sometimes it can be yeah. the, the females kind of coming at you just as, if not the same worse than the men, right? Yeah. I feel like the, the times where let's, let's go, like, let's extend beyond just separating it from like male to female athletes. I, for me, my experience is that if someone has an issue, um, I think it's more an insecurity on their part mm -hmm. 
than it is on who I am and what I'm doing. Like for some reason, and I, and that could, just like you're saying, that could go from female to female, that could go from female to male or vice versa. If it's a male coach to a female athlete or a male coach to a male athlete, you know, I, I, I agree with some parts of what you're saying of that. It's like, no, I'm not just a female coach. I'm a coach. I feel like a lot of times though, there's an insecurity and let's be realistic. I think a lot of it does stem from some like historical cultural sentiments that we have from females in a place of like, let's call it authority. If I'm the authority figure of running a, a, a group class, I, I, I don't want to ignore that. That's kind of something that's like permeating our culture right now. Um, when that happens though, I think there's an opportunity for coaches to exercise some compassion and like have a little bit of empathy for whomever they might be talking to again, male or female in that if there is some pushback or some, uh, you're getting some like lip service or something from an athlete, I think that's a learning opportunity and, and a way and a time for you to then try and get to know this member even more. Like why might they be reacting that way or responding that way? What questions can I ask? Maybe it's not in the moment. And I think that there's a, like, you got to have a certain level of like emotional intelligence to read the situation and say, I need to address this, but is doing it in front of the class the best option? Is waiting until there's a break? Maybe it's after class. Maybe I invite them to get coffee. Like there's always an opportunity there. And I don't want, what I find is I don't want, especially females to shy away from um, kind of digging deeper with these athletes that they might be experiencing difficulties with. Yeah. I mean, you're saying all the things that Fern and I talk about all the time, like, and that's from the male perspective. So I can see it's the same thing. Like when you're butting heads with someone, Hey, have that self-reflection of like, maybe it is me. I think too often we're like, it's the athletes where maybe it is you. Now there are athletes that are like that. Do you have an experience where with one athlete or, or any athlete where you've had that interaction, taken that deep breath, continued to coach class and talk to them after? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There was, um, use their name, be very specific on who this person is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Uh, you know, I, I, I had an athlete that, um, did not, did not agree with how I was coaching him to um, execute a movement. And he come, he came from um, a more like a, he came from a powerlifting background and we were talking about something a little bit more specific to CrossFit and just, you know, movement in general. And, you know, in the session, he's like, not arguing, but he's definitely giving me pushback about like what I'm teaching and how I'm cueing him and what I'm asking him to do. And so I said, okay, all I want you to do is just try it for one set. And then I want you to let me know how it goes. And if you don't like it, we'll go back to what you're doing. And what, what, what was the, what were you changing? Do you remember? Yeah. Or is that so too it, specific? Um, it might he be does, specific. Yeah, he you doesn't know, listen we, to this show. Don't worry. I was, <laughs> I, I was changing foot position on something. And you know like, what? Well, and I find that's not that's, how I typically do it. Oh man. You know, and that's not a gender thing. I mean, 
Uh, but go on. I want to ask you a couple of questions after. Yeah. Yeah. So no. So he. Um, I. He said, "Well, that's not how I've always done it." I said, "All I ask is that you try it for one set. Let me know how it goes." I followed back, circle back around, and he's like, "You know, it's weird, but um, I'll try it." And then I kind of left him be, like I left it alone. I didn't try, I didn't let him off the hook, but I also didn't reinforce my opinion. I just said, "Okay, great, that's it." He did what I asked, and that's all I ever asked for. So then I actually um, get an email a couple of days later and he has put, he has emailed CJ and then CC'd me and has said, I had a really interesting experience. Your, co your, your coach was asking me to do something differently than I normally do, but she was very respectful of my opinion. And for that, I have the highest esteem for Invictus now. And I was like, interesting because because here's the other part of it is that i also took away from that situation like ooh, that was maybe like a weird interaction that he and i had and i don't know what's going to happen going forward and he had a totally different perspective like oh she she just asked me to try it she let me be and that was it and now he and i have a great rapport like he trusts me now so that when i do give him coaching he's willing to implement so, so that was a good one. Do you have, do you have one where they doesn't have a happy ending? Cool. Let's see. I'm sure I do. And, and then I, I want to ask you another question as you think of that, if you can do both at the same time. So, yeah, I mean, changing foot position, male or female coach, you get that pushback. You handled that well. Do you think sometimes though, if you're a female coach, you're walking up to this athlete and it's obvious like a dog, right? They can smell fear. And you're like, you clearly aren't going up there in confidence. Like at a level one, I have no doubt. You're like, feet wider, you know, go more narrow, do this, right. wipe your feet, whatever. Do you think that has something to do with it? My confidence level, you're asking? Yeah, I mean, you're, you should be confident. You're a great coach. You know, you're on two very prestigious staffs. Do you... Do you feel like because you have that confidence, it's different? And is that something as a female they need to work on? And, and men as well. For sure. Okay, I follow. So eight years ago when I first started coaching, definitely had a different level of confidence than I do now, you know, because you get more time under tension. You have more reps in um, over the course of eight years in terms of having not difficult conversations, but just cueing athletes and asking for different things and saying like, Hey, here's what I think you should change. That definitely evolves over time. Um, but I think that you can almost not fake the confidence, but anytime, like in the sessions, you're the expert, you like, if you're the coach for that hour. Um, yeah, you're, you're the expert there. And so I think there is a certain level of confidence that needs to be exhibited, even if you don't necessarily feel it inside, right? Because like you said, they can sniff that out. And I think you have certain athletes, certain people that will just kind of take advantage of that. Like, oh, I can see that they're not super confident. So I might push back a little bit. And if you're like, no, this is what I, I want you to do for this reason. But that also comes with time of knowing the why behind what you're asking. Do you, I don't, I don't do know you, if that answers your question. No, no, that does. I think, yeah, like anything, if you go up with confidence, they're, they're going to be like, oh, she knows what she's talking about. Do sure. you, as, as someone on both 
uh, you know, coaching staff and seminar staff, do you think you get more pushback at the box level than you do at seminar staff? Oh, definitely. Yes. So that has something to do with just how people, you know, they're paying for their level one. They're like, oh, these are the seminar people. Mm -hmm. You know, that that's impacting how they look at you. So is that something that boxes should do better? You know, I have to say, I give Invictus a lot of credit because I think that um, I get less of that with Invictus than I have in other than other gyms that I've been a part of before, other boxes I've been a part of that are like more, they're smaller, you know, there's people tend to think that they're big fish in a small pond <laughs> and because they're the best ones at that gym where they have very little context for, you know, what type of athlete or, or member they are. Um, <clears throat> so I will say that I will, I will, they're, they're, the, the community in Invictus is, is incredible. However, um, yeah, I think that the, the man, I want to give this like more time to think about because I think it's a very interesting question of what could the gyms be doing better? What could the box owners be doing better to position their coaches as like, yes, these are the experts. Like the, they know what they're talking about. Um, I think that's a, a really interesting question that I would, I honestly kind of want to think about that. All right. I think I that think could be a good follow-up maybe for somebody else. I don't know. Maybe for somebody, maybe a gym owner. I don't know. Um, Cause I go back and forth. I'm like, oh, is it the individual or is it the, oh. is it the gym culture? Right. You know, is it that, let me also ask you this as a female, does performance matter? In other words, you know, you're, you're a fit woman, but if Tia walks into your box are the dudes respecting her differently? I think yes, because I think regardless of whether we want to admit it or not, it is, there is a superficial aspect to what we do. And, um, you know, you could have like the most knowledgeable, well-rounded coach and if they don't look the part or the members don't see that they're doing the same things then they're like well why should i believe you why should i trust you you don't you don't look like somebody that x but my but my pushback is always like no offense bill belichick but like you don't look like you played football well no <laughs> that's that's mean? the uh kind of standard example of like you don't and, you know and not to mention i think yeah there's that and also just like tia's great at knowing her body that doesn't mean she knows yours where libby is trained in understanding human movement sure yeah no but, I, that's but that's just a barrier we're gonna you know we have to ultimately break down what what can i mean this is i don't know if this is a fair question because we're still talking about the boxes but i think that's something we need to consider is what can crossfit be doing better as well to be perpetuating this and removing that stigma and i think they do a good job of it i mean even in just our ecosystem, I mean, there's plenty of women trainers on staff. There's plenty of flow masters. You know, I work primarily with female flow masters here in Boulder. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and they're all very confident. I think confidence is that key. What's, let, let's go back to that. What are a few ways you can fake confidence? Ooh. Yeah, I think uh, like body language, your posture, like, are you standing up tall? Is your chin up? 
you know, do you walk up with eyes forward? Um, and my approach is always like, I'm a feeler and I'm a little bit softer. And so I'm like, my approach is always like, Hey, how does that feel for you? And kind of, I try to, I try to lead the horse to the water. But <laughs> and when I you do like that, a, I feel like it's an approach that works for me. Go ahead. What were you about to as you're doing that, I'm almost wondering if that's a lack of confidence. No, because um, because people, it's an interesting to me, interesting thing in human psychology that like a lot for a lot of people, they need to come up with it on their own. If it's oh, their yeah. idea, if it's their idea, they're more apt to implement than if it's being told to them. And so I almost from like, I know exactly where they're going to go with it and what they're going to say. So then I can anticipate like the next step, but I'm going to lead them there. And that way it feels like it's mutual and it feels like they have a say in it. Um, and to me, maybe that has been a more successful approach, at least in the box setting, not necessarily seminars because that is what we do is just, Hey, do this, do this, do this. But in the gyms where there is more of that like relationship building and it's people that you're going to see over and over again, you have to establish that mutual trust. And I think that comes from a place of kind of guiding them and shepherding them and asking questions and letting them be a part of the conversation of why we might be asking something of them versus just telling them. And that's the end all be all. I, I personally don't feel like that approach has worked well for me in the past. So you are a unique coach in the sense that you're part of a really good staff that gets developed at Invictus, but also on the seminar team where you're around the best coaches in the world. You have a higher confidence level. What about a female that leaves a level one, even with a year or two experience and now she's coaching, how does she get better? How does she get that confidence when she's not getting developed day in and day out like you are? You know, I think that that goes, I think that the onus, the responsibility falls on that coach to always be seeking out like new knowledge, new information, new supporting evidence um, for what they're saying and making sure that they have, again, the knowledge to back why they might cue something or say something to an athlete. So that then if they get pushback, well, why, or well, what about this, then they can explain it, right? I don't want to, I don't want to have coaches that are just mimicking, that are just repeating the points of performance or whatever, and they don't understand the mechanisms or the principles behind them. So I think that's one aspect of it is like, you need to be able to confidently explain something if you get asked, if you get pushback from somebody. Um, I think one of the biggest things that I tell every coach, especially at the level ones is get in front of as many trainers as you can. And even if you're not being developed by the highest level trainers on seminar staff or whatever, it's, you might not, you might not get the, the, what's good to do, but you'll get the, what not to do by getting in front of as many people, as many other coaches as you can. Um, so, so let's, let's dive into that. You know, I know. It's a, we've discussed it. It's a lot about confidence. And I don't want listeners to be like, Libby's not giving you, like, this is not Libby's responsibility to change this idea, right? This was just an interesting topic to talk about with a good coach that happens to be female. That's going to be my new line. 
You're a good coach that <laughs> happens to be female. But but talk to me about what you've done in your career to develop as a coach. Cool. Like you made it on seminar staff. Yeah. Well, you don't have to give me the full story, but what was that journey like for you? So I started coaching in New Orleans and it was just, it was like a side thing. And I felt like a lot of coaches enter, at least in my experience, a lot of coaches enter it as like, oh, I love CrossFit and I just, I want to coach and I love being at the gym. And that's how it started for me. And then I realized that I loved helping people and that it, it extended beyond just movement. Like there was so much opportunity to have conversations with people about just self-esteem, their confidence in their life, their work, their nutrition, all these other aspects that, you know, make a person whole. And so I decided, okay, I want to still coach, but I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to get my master's in public health and I want to continue helping people on their kind of health journey. Um, along that way, I was just coaching part-time and yeah, I, I think the biggest thing was knowing that you don't know everything is okay. And that was the hardest thing for me to learn because as a new coach, you're trying to build credibility, but the biggest thing that people, the biggest trap I think new coaches fall into is, yeah, I did the level one and I know it all, or I've been doing CrossFit for five years and I did the level one and now I know everything there is to know where that learning should never end. You should always have that hunger for knowledge. You should always have the hunger for getting better, that it's a skill and it's a craft that can always be refined and can always be improved upon. Um, so knowing what you don't know, being okay with saying, I don't know, but let me find out and do your due diligence of if somebody asks you something and you don't know the answer, research it and then get back to them and let them know. And that's going to build that trust and that credibility with them. And then seeking out feedback and not being afraid to hear how you can improve. So it's something that they, CrossFit has done a great job with at the level twos. Um, with the coaches, the preferred course, the coaches development program is like, are you open truly to feedback? And feel, if you can't get feedback from somebody else, film yourself. You will never cringe so hard because when you watch yourself like coach a class and hear the things that you say or look at your mannerisms or things that you've done in front of a session, um, yeah, being open to that feedback, not being afraid, and like knowing that it's okay that this is, there's always room for growth. And there, that comes to like a growth mindset. Uh, yeah, I love what you're saying. Now, let's, let's flip the script. Do you, you work on the level two staff? Not yet. Who, oh, not yet? Okay. Well, even if you're not on the level two staff, you know, and then for those listening, just to understand, you make it on the level one staff, you have to be on the level one staff for a given amount of time and then actually put in the work and intern to make the level two staff. So I have no doubt you'll be there, but in your experience when giving feedback to coaches, who's more receptive, male or females? Hmm. Cause you still develop your coaching staff. And I don't think, he, I don't think he, definitely we do, we do quarterly touch bases. There's, we do a, once a month coaches development, all staff meeting. Um, you know, I actually don't think you can split that between male, female. 
because I think it's just depends on the person like who are, and that's just been my experience in managing is that one is not separated by, by sex. It's just who believes that they can improve and has room to improve and who believes that they're already the best that they can be. And the most successful coaches are the ones that know that there's always room for improvement. I think those are the most successful people, period. For sure. What are some tactics you use when you're seeing, you know, maybe you're evaluating a class and your coach is not doing well? Like, for example, I might use the compliment sandwich, right? Hey, great presence and attitude. You don't see shit. Uh, great music, <laughs> right? You know, something like that. What are some, do you use the compliment sandwich? Do you have other tactics that you might use to, because you have to diffuse it. You know, coaches are passionate. We care about this. How do you, how do you break down that barrier? Well, so it's so funny because you're going to now see a trend in my management style is that I ask them, what do you think went well? And what do you think could have gone better? And, and I think I, that, that's great. Yeah. I like that. And I let them, because then it, it also shows me how self-aware are they and what, um, like, you know, if somebody's like, oh yeah, I just ran the best class ever, then I'm like, okay, you know, then that's a, that's a different, that's a different conversation. But like, I have found at least in my, the last couple years of being a manager that, and I start all of my performance reviews in this exact same way is what went really well and what are your areas of improvement. And most often what people self select into is what I've already written down and is good, is going to be what I present to them. And, and that's, I mean, that's like best possible, <laughs> that's best possible scenario. Oh yeah. I mean, I, that, that question is uh, great. And I, I remember Pat Sherwood used to ask it all the time at seminars. Like, so how do you think that went? You know, yes. and you're just like, all right. And then it, very quickly you're like, did he think it was good? You know, what do I, <laughs> but so now. But it course, makes you reflect It makes you reflect. And that's where the growth happens. And so what I want all coaches, female or male to think about is like, is once the session is done, go down, go write down in your notebook, like, Hey, this, this went really well, or this could have gone better. Or my timeline was too tight because I ran over on this or we do. I mean, I do that after lectures and breakout groups at the level one as well. You know, like you, you just, it all goes back to, do you fully, do you truly believe that there's always room for improvement? But talk to me about a crazy person that you've, again, don't use examples, but you must've come up with someone where it's like, how'd that go? And they're like, that was great. And you're like, that was a shit show. Oh, so, and when evaluating another coach? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh man. <laughs> do you have somebody? I do. Don't use, okay, use their name. Use their name. No, I'm not using their name. <laughs> Are they still uh, a coach of yours? No, they were actually, they were, um, they were interviewing to coach. Okay. Okay. Oh, so you have to do like a performance interview there. So our interview process is, yeah, they'll do a phone interview. And then if we like them, then they'll do, um, usually like a Skype or video chat with somebody else. And then the third round is a, an, an in-person immersive. They coach a couple of sessions and <laughs> this coach <laughs> just had no idea that he was failing miserably, that no one was engaged, no one was interested. Um, 
that he didn't, he didn't even brief the workout. He like, he just completely forgot. I don't know if he was just so nervous. And then after it was like, Oh uh, yeah, maybe like, maybe I just would have like changed like one or two things about the warm up, and you're like, Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> so this person had flown all the way out to San Diego to interview or you traveled. And yeah. Then you have to, do you, at that point, do you even tell them how bad they were or are you just like, Hey, this isn't going to work. You know, I, there was like a quick, um, interim between sessions and I said, Hey, really quickly, this is what I would like to see for the next session. And those things didn't change. And so then that's also another indication, you know, like, okay, can you accept feedback and then implement it really quickly? Um, and was this, and a, this was a man. This was a man. Yeah. So, I mean, going back to our original topic, I, th I think it turns out just all people are assholes. Like, I don't like anybody, male or female. <laughs> Half the time, I don't like myself. So, Fair enough. But I, you know, I think, you know, this is a great topic, but it's truly a worldwide, let, let's keep it into the States, right? But it's, it's definitely a, a States thing. And until we start changing, and obviously it's gotten better. I mean, what, at some point in time, women couldn't vote. Right. It's definitely gotten better. I was, I, I can, yeah. I was listening. I'm listening to a book called Sapiens. I was telling Roz this, like how crazy it was. Like there was a point in time where if, if a woman was raped, it was the punishment wasn't like, hey, you raped a woman. It was that you hurt someone's property. Mm. Like so, it's like we've we've made some progress, right? Definitely. <laughs> like, but we still have a ways to go. No, and I think, you know, part of it, I think, is just, like, the awareness, bringing, talking about it, having these conversations. Um, uh, but I want anyone listening, you know, we have a lot of box owners, coaches, but even athletes listening, and I want you guys to think about how you deal with this. Like, next time you're being coached by a man versus a woman, like, it starts with us, mm -hmm. right? Like, we can, you know, what, you know, any cliche quote, like, imagine what a small group of you know like-minded smart driven whatever crossfitters could do i don't know yeah that's my yeah quote. but you know it's got to start with the listeners and it's got to start with the coaches whether you're male or female like men we have to lead by example and listen to women coaches no different than we would listen to dudes right mm -hmm. and we also have to make sure we're not downplaying like we're bringing up the net like if i'm coaching the 330 and libby's coaching the 430 i have to make sure i'm showing you that value there. Like it starts with us and box owners, you have to think about what are you doing to perpetuate this and to further, you know, your, your female coaches. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Think? No, I think beautifully said, like, well, very well said. I think we can, um, the, the owners can definitely play a huge role in setting the kind of tone for like, Hey, every coach is, is equal here. Every coach, like it has their value that they bring, um, male, female, whatever their niche market is, like whatever it is, everyone brings value. Coaches, um, I think lean into maybe some of the, the, the discomfort that you're feeling. If you're getting pushback from an athlete, lean into that. Don't be afraid of it. Um, be curious, ask questions, get to know these people so that you see them more as humans and less as male, female, difficult athlete, asshole, whatever, whatever it might be. Um, 
and then athletes like know that I think by and large know that your coaches are there to help you and are and have your best interests at heart and so if you're an athlete and you have a coach that's telling you something like be open-minded and be okay with having like a dialogue about it yeah I mean and again you know we've talked a lot about male and female but that goes for anyone if your coach is totally. telling you something chances are they're doing it because they have your best interests in mind exactly you know Libby telling you to go wider is not because she wants to see you tear your you know LCL <laughs> she thinks you can you know get deeper whatever the you know whatever the movement is just just listen to her yeah so maybe this conversation that started off about females is just a conversation about humans. It is. It is a lot about humans. I mean, they're, they're, you know, we're we're a wild creature, a wild uh, animal, if you will. But I think I think it often oftentimes it is yes, everybody. But I also think that's the beauty of CrossFit is there's so much there's so much gray. There's not a, Fern and I rarely end a podcast with like, hey, nailed that one. Like that yeah. was a yes. This is what you do. It's always like. We don't know, but try this. And most of the time it comes down to a lot of things you said, knowledge, be receptive to feedback of your own and understand you need to grow. You don't know everything. Compassion and empathy for others mm -hmm. um, and care. I mean, that's it. Yeah. I mean, I think this could potentially be the last podcast we need to do. Because <laughs> that's really what the answer is to almost anything in life if you have a question for me. So, Fair enough. That makes sense. <laughs> but but I would like to give you some time and have you come back and maybe you know orphaned like you said another female coach wants to come on. I did Nicole Christensen said she'd come on. You know, but think about what boxes can do to benefit. You know, again, I think it'll wind up being hey, what can we do to grow all of our coaches? Mm -hmm. But but let's think about what we could do specifically to to change that perception of you know male versus female coaching. Yeah, for sure. Well, I know you got to go back to coaching at Invictus. Hopefully, you don't forget to brief the workout. I won't. <laughs> <laughs> and um, a little self-reflection after. But in case people want to learn a little more about Libby, what's your, what's your social media handle? Yeah, so if you, I guess if you want to see my personal life, then you can look me up at Libby Landry. Um, I do have like a little like, very small little CrossFit page, uh, Coach Libster. So that's what the members call me here, uh, L-I-B-S-T-E-R. So if you want to look up either one of those. Do you have a personal life handle and a coaching handle? Yeah. You don't, because you, are you afraid of blurring those lines? Is that what's going on? You know, I, I'm not really sure. Um, I think I started the Coach Libster. That one's more recent. And that one was like, you know, kind of creating a space almost for like to talk about my experiences as like a female coach, but not everybody on my personal page cares or wants to hear it. So I separated, but I ended up posting on both. And I really don't know that there's a distinction between the two. <laughs> gotcha. Well, if you want to know what Netflix shows Libby's watching, check out her personal one. Exactly. If you want to check out her coaching style, go to her uh, coaching one. And then yeah. also drop into Invictus. Great box there. Yeah, definitely. If anybody's coming out for West, West Coast Classic, I'll be around all weekend um, at Invictus. So yeah, come holler. Is that close by? Oh yeah. Del Mar the West Coast Classic is about um, maybe like a five minute drive from my location, Invictus at Toronto oh, Valley. Beautiful. This episode's going up Tuesday, the 10th. So 
you know, you have plenty of time. Where can they email you if they do want to drop in? Yeah. Um, Libby at CrossFitInvictus.com. Cool. Hopefully that'll get some people there. It's a great box. Is that the one I went to? Yes. Yeah. Great box. Uh, cause there's two, um, easy, easy to get to plenty of parking. Yeah. Um, not, not too far from a Chipotle if you're into that kind of thing. <laughs> so, so. Not too far from the beach. Yeah. Beach, Chipotle, whatever you need. But I'll let you yeah. go, Coach. Thank you so much, Libby, for coming on. Always great to chat with you. All right. Yeah, Jay, hopefully I'll work with you soon. You got it. Bye. Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day. And thanks again to our special guest. We appreciate all you guys do for us with Best Hour of Their Day when it comes to sharing our posts on Instagram, when it comes to subscribing to us on YouTube, when it comes to the constant feedback, we are grateful and we appreciate it. We are trying to build a community based on coaching development and becoming the best version of yourself. And it goes without saying that we couldn't do without all of you. So if you haven't already, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Season one of Dropping In is out. We are getting tremendous feedback and we'd love for you to check it out. Leave us a comment on there. Head over to our Instagram. Give us a follow. Like our pictures. Feel free to share anything that resonates with you. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or feedback for us, please don't hesitate. Email us, day at gmail.com. Thanks again. Until the next episode, we hope you've had the best hour of your day.